Welcome everybody back to My Life is a Montage, the show where we take a look at music and how it fits into our lives. I'm Keith Campbell, joined as always by Ian Shakey here. Ian, how are you this fine Monday? I am fantabulous. <laughs> yeah, fantabulous. Fantabulous. All righty. So Ian, what have you chosen from your montage today? So we're going to keep it, uh, it's going to be a little bit more recent than I've been doing in the past. And uh, we're going to talk about the song Heartbreak Down by Pink. Lovely. So this song was written by Pink and Butch Walker. It was a bonus track added on to her first compilation album, Greatest Hits, so far in 2010. Um, of the, It was one of three such tracks. Uh, it was the only one that wasn't released as a single in the U.S., However, it was released as a single out in Central and Eastern European countries and peaked at number two on the Hungarian airplay chart. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's that's almost like uh, it's almost like saying, you know, and Germans love David Hasselhoff. That's uh, kind of the way that's how I feel about. Hey, pink is universal. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So. Yeah, in thinking about this and kind of thinking about where we've hit, where we've touched on uh, songs before, this kind of strikes me as of a piece, and I'll get to why in a second, of um, the first song that we talked about, Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want, in that it's kind of a one of three, much like Please, Please was for the William It Was Really Nothing 12-inch, and it's one of three that are of a of a certain type of song that Pink puts out. Uh, so the the other two singles that came off the greatest hits are "Raise Your Glass," which you will probably know now from every wedding since 2010 or every corporate conference since 2010. Um, you know, one of those like mid-tempo party numbers that she's become known for ever since uh, her second album. Uh, and then the other fucking perfect is kind of the um, pink checks in with her emotional state song. And then this one is the relationship song. Right. And she's great. She's great. at What I've always loved about pink is she knows what she does. She knows what she does well. And she just sticks with it and keeps doing it well, uh, rather than uh, you know, some might call it some might call it vanilla to stay in the same three lanes all the time. But you know, in some ways, that means just understanding your understanding your audience, understanding your talents, and just going as far as you can. Hey, ACDC have made a career out of doing the same album every two to five years. Yeah, there's no shame in that whatsoever. Um, you know, given that this wasn't a single, it wasn't a B-side that took on a life of its own, like the other two songs that we've covered, you know, there wasn't a lot of ink about this song, but one of the things that really struck me uh, when I was doing the research on this, there's a real, there's a really great article from 2017, uh, in the New York times about how pink has become kind of pop royalty. And there was this quote that, that struck me from Tom Pullman, who at the time was and may still be the uh, director of programming at iHeartMedia, otherwise known as the Cthulhu of radio. <laughs> and he said, she always stays in the forefront so people have been able to move and grow with her. Her songs test equally well in red states and blue states. You know, she's the kind of person the listener looks at and says, you know what? 
this person's like me. She's not fake. She's not superficial. She's the real deal. And it kind of brings me back to, if you, if you all remember the, the Gallagher interview that Mark Marin did on his podcast a few years back. And one of the things that came out of that was kind of this examination of, it, it was it was in really relative quick succession. They did an interview with that and with Gallagher and with Dane Cook, two people that kind of rode a stardom wave really quickly and then just hit the wall and disappeared. And you think about acts like him, like those two, and you think about acts like, you know, a Kyle Kinane or a Patton Oswalt that may not have hit the heights of what Gallagher and Dane Cook at their pomp ran into, but have been able to just consistently churn out. Everybody knows to count on them to be some, to be fairly funny. You know, at, at my heart, I came of age uh, in communications research. And one of, one of the professors that I um, learned quite a great deal from when I was in college wrote a book about identification. His big influence was uh, Kenneth Burke, who was a New Jersey based researcher that focused a lot on uh, what he called dramatic interactions. So taking a look at your interactions with somebody and how they would play out as, as a scene kind of. Um, and in that you can, you can find points and inflections for identification. And that's how, you know, you, you build a friendship with somebody, you build a relationship with somebody is those identification points. And where that comes for me is when I look at acts like Pink, like Patton Oswalt, that have that kind of authenticity bred into them, they have what I've kind of determined as that they're small mirror people, whereas kind of the mass market, you know, one or two hits and out, or, you know, a sustained run of five years and then they're done. Um they're kind of big mirror people. They try to capture as many people as they possibly can and reflect them back immediately. And, you know, everybody will love that for a second because they go, oh, yeah, I'm up there with them. I, I recognize that. I see that. Whereas the small mirror people give you enough of, of them and reflect that mirror, turn it around where you might not see yourself in their act at all until one instant. And that's enough for you to to really dig it into your brain. And so, you know, they're spending their entire time just waving the little mirror around, catching themselves and you, and then the next person and the next person and the next person. And it's, it may not, you know, it may not be a lasting connection, but it's a deeper one than just somebody just holding up a big mirror and you see yourself in the crowd with them. Yeah. I I think that's a, that's a really interesting point of view and way to put that. I think, you know, the, uh, one of the analogs from, from that same era is, uh, you could now the circumstances since then have been different, but you could take a look at how Kesha, uh, from Mm. the same era really hit big. And then even before her personal issues started happening with her music, um, it was interesting how, uh, you know, she had her two or three hits that were just massive mm. and then kind of, and then kind of, uh, pulled back from that. Um, and, and, you know, it was kind of, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, here you talk about that big mirror, small mirror thing. I think 
you know, the other analog, the other contemporary from that period is, uh, you know, if you look at Katy Perry, cause 2010 was also when teenage dream right. came out for her and she went from, uh, and she went from the, the more small mirror of I kissed a girl and I liked it to that kind of superstardom that came with teenage dream. Right. Right. As, yeah, so, as an aside, I have heard of uh, the band Wolfpack did a, a remix of their song "Disco Ulysses" under that, and it sounds absolutely incredible. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it, it works way better than it has any right to. Uh, but, right. I, but I gather your point about you know because yeah, that's that song is really just kind of like every pop song from the 1950s onward, just you know modernized, but in Katy Perry's voice. Yep. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think it's interesting that you talk about the authenticity of Pink uh, and how, you know, in her solo career, she's very much been who she is. She likes it a little more rock. She she likes it a little, you know, a little dirtier. But at its core, she sings she sings good, high quality pop songs. Yeah. But but if you take, you know, that's been on her own. Uh, The story of her, you know, with. uh, coming up as a teenager with, you know, a very produced R and B group named right. chance and coming up with LaFace records and Babyface, you know, <clears throat> LA Reed and Babyface. uh, really it, it, it's a, you know, if you listen to what she was at the beginning of her career, Oh yeah. It was much more that attempt at the big mirror stuff. And right. It, right. So it's fascinating that you put it that way. And it's funny. It's funny that you bring that up too, because I, I, in the in the research and kind of pulling that back up, you know, she can eat, she's even gotten so good at that that when she makes fun of Babyface uh, in her like second or third record, I think it was, he just laughs it off. Number one, I think she's still on. She was on the Face Records for a while, even after that first mm-hmm. one. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely water under the bridge because Babyface is still profiting off her success. So, you right. know, make fun of me all you want during that, you know we're all succeeding here. Um, and it's also interesting that you brought up Kesha's success and kind of the issues that she's had given that, you know, Dr. Luke was an assistant producer on Pink's second record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he earned maybe not second, but third, definitely. Um, and you know, Pink being who she is both in terms mm-hmm. of having proven that she could do it on her own, you know, with the misunderstood record and also, you know, being more, being further along in her career than Dr. Luke at the time gave her a good, you know, after that record, she stopped working with him. Right. Um, and has, you know, as since whenever, you know, whenever he's been brought up and said, you know, he's a, he's getting what he deserves and I have nothing good to say about that. man. Yeah. <laughs> it, it feels uh the other uh the other i was actually thinking of that uh when i when i heard all the interviews or uh the comments from trent Reznor about Marilyn manson recently where oh, he, can, yeah. he had he had to come back with the remember i worked with him 25 years ago i haven't worked with him since i knew he was a bad guy then and he's still <laughs> a bad guy now so right. i actually i actually thought about that when i was looking at the the pink dr luke stuff again yeah <clears throat> so with very little ink other than that and with our um 
kind of pop culture theorism out of the way. Tell us about where this fits uh, in your montage. So this is, and it's actually really simple. This is the first pop song that my youngest child uh, fell in love with. Uh, And, and it came unbeknownst to me. Uh, So uh, early on, I was the one taking uh, my, my youngest daughter who is now six uh, to uh, daycare or, you know, uh, she was in at home with daycare for a while and then went to preschool. And when she was in preschool, that was actually on the campus of my wife's, uh, my wife's firm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so every day they would have this 25 minute commute uh, back home. And so, uh, after a while, my wife got tired of listening to, uh, the same, you know, uh, Elena Vavilor and frozen music <laughs> and started, and started trying to find songs that groups that she liked the artists that she liked and started playing them for my daughter. I had been doing the same at bedtime with less, uh, with less success. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I tried to get her into blur and she wasn't really into it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. She, <laughs> Late era blur or like Victorian uh, drama era blur. No, I used to sing her. I used to sing tender, uh, to her okay. at time. Yeah. And for a long time she loved it. And now she's like, it's long daddy. Um, <laughs> But one of the things, uh, one of the artists that my wife would play on the, on the commute home was she would play pink and, uh, and, and, uh, my daughter fell in love with heartbreak down. So, uh, where this fits into my montage is, uh, sitting in my daughter's bedroom, uh, trying to sing her, uh, trying to sing her you know, good night songs and her saying no to all of them. I mean, we're talking itsy bitsy spider, uh, everything from itsy bitsy spider to, uh, boys don't cry by the cure (laughs) and, uh, everything in between. And she finally says to me, I said, well, what song do you want to hear? And she finally says heartbreak down. And I on it, to be honest with you, had not heard the song because Hmm. it wasn't a single. So I, so I had to do some research and in doing so went not only through that greatest hits compilation, but also deeper into Pink's catalog and really kind of came to appreciate what she did beyond just the hits or what she's been doing beyond just the hits. And so, yes, heartbreak down will always have that moment of like staring at my, staring at my daughter and saying, I don't know the words to heartbreak down. (laughs) And her and her saying, "Well, just Google it, Daddy." And I'm like, "Oh, so that's now I don't know how it goes." <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, but she was also smart enough to say, "Well, just play it on YouTube, Daddy." Oh. Now you're now you're getting the screens involved in bedtime, and it's. I uh, yeah, I definitely had an old man moment where I'm like, back in my day, we didn't have any screens at the time. You know? mm. I will never, I will never ever forget that, and it was, it was cathartic with for me because it was also uh, brought me back to the point where each of my kids have kind of uh, the non Wiggles music that they each fell in love with first, and 
and it also kind of it, it's a good place to start it's a good place to start that kind of reminiscence about uh when your kids go from uh go from you know listening to quote unquote baby music to listening to you know real pop tunes so my oldest we had at a uh, christian daycare because it was close by and cheap and that led to the moment of me taking my oldest on the, you know, taking him walking toward the, the Metro to, to get to daycare and him going from saying, Jesus loves the little children to saying Iron Man. Love that. <laughs> like the, the complete Love spectrum of, of the influences that your kids will run into. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, turn that into their own kind of soundtrack. So my, uh, my uh, oldest daughter, who is now 18, the first song to go full circle on our conversation tonight, the first song that she used to walk around singing uh, on her own was TikTok by Kesha. Ah, and <laughs> so, so to this day, my ringtone, it, uh, my ringtone on my iPhone, uh, if it's almost always on silent, but if I have my headphones in, is my then eight-year-old daughter singing, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. All the way, <laughs> all excellent. the way, all the way through to, uh, you know, uh, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack and <laughs> in her little voice. She, she still says to me, dad, why is that your ringtone? I'm like, it's always going to be my ringtone kid. Yeah. There's, there's no top in that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah so that's where it is in the montage it's a good it's a good parent moment a good father-daughter moment it's uh but it also you know was good for i actually learned more about an artist from my little kid than being the kind of uh pompous music nerd that i generally am where i'm trying to tell everyone else what to like right right well that is a lovely uh place in the montage and with that everyone We thank you very much for listening. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, may all your montages play to sunlight. Thank you for listening to My Life is a Montage. I've been Keith Campbell, joined by Ian Shaker here. Our intro and interstitial music has been Funny Animals by Crowander. It was found on freemusicarchive.org and is being used under Creative Commons. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 